It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk and joining me as we have another wonderful show here in April for Talent Talk. If in case this happens to be the first time that you are uh, tuning in, or maybe uh, you haven't caught the show in a while, I might not remember how it uh, kind of all works. So let me give you a little rundown on kind of what we're doing here. So uh, one of my favorite things is to have uh, in-depth conversations with really smart people that I might be able to learn something from that are interested in things like culture and talent and HR and running a business, leadership, all of those things just kind of all under one roof. And so I developed this show so that we could come in and we could have a conversation and you could listen in and also be even be a part of that uh, conversation. So we'd love to have you come on to Twitter, follow the, uh, the live the live tweeting that we do, uh, following the hashtag Talent Talk. You can even pop in a question, a comment, whatever it may be, whether it's during the live show or later on. Um, certainly love to have you uh, give us any uh, feedback you have there. So we've had so many great conversations. I've even uh, written a book recently that came out. It's on the bestseller list. Uh, you can check it on Amazon and anywhere else you buy books called The Power of Company Culture and really was inspired by and has so many great stories uh, that we have from this show um, and other great conversations I've had directly with people. So Talent Talk is live here just about every Tuesday unless I'm on the road or traveling around and uh, can be accessed. Uh, most of you get it through a podcast on iTunes or listen on iHeartRadio or even on our website, talenttalkradio.com. So I've got over about 10,000 people a day downloading from one of those places, uh, one or more shows. Really appreciate everyone's support, being a part of the, the learning uh, and, and being a part of everything that we're doing here. So if you uh, again, if you have a question, uh, we'd love to have you do it on Twitter. But let's go ahead and talk about who's going to be on the show today. Um, as usual, I'm uh, going to bring in two guests. My first guest will be Ian uh, Ziskin the president of Exec Excel Group, LLC. I'm going to do a little commercial break, a little house cleaning there, and we'll bring in Francesca, Francesca Gino, uh, Tandon fan, Family Professor of Business Administration at the Harvard Business School and also author of Rebel Talent. So when it pays to break the rules at work and in life. It, so like I said, she'll join me here at the second half of the show, but let's go ahead and bring Ian in. Uh, Ian, welcome to the show. Chris, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? You know, what's important for us to know about you, especially in the context of of, uh, of this conversation? And then, um, you know, what you guys are doing over there at uh, Exec Excel Group. Yeah, thank you. I've been in uh, the HR game in one way or another for uh, about 36 years now, fortunate to have uh, 
uh, stumbled into a profession that I've absolutely loved all along the way. I spent really the first uh, 28 years or so of my career, as you may know, uh, as a corporate HR person, finished up my last two gigs as the chief HR officer for two companies, most recently Northrop Grumman in the aerospace and defense business, and then about eight years ago launched my own coaching and consulting business, which is a portfolio of things uh, we can get into and talk about a little bit more uh, if you're interested, but love the variety, love the entrepreneurial uh, lifestyle and opportunities as much as I loved my uh, 28 years of corporate life and also during that time uh, moved around the country quite a bit, uh, 11 times over the course of my career uh, and uh, married to the same woman for 36 years and have three grown sons uh, who are all terrific. So that's a little bit of a thumbnail sketch on me. Well, great. And Ian, if we can, if there's any possibility of you getting a little bit closer to that microphone, we have you, you're a little bit faint, but uh, we're hearing you okay. Um, I know you kind of mentioned you had a 28 year career as a business executive and it kind of got you then in 2010 to kind of move into this other direction of uh, executive cell group, but being a coach, a consultant, uh, what was it that came out of your previous career? Maybe we could kind of talk there. What are the lessons or things that came out of that time that really led you into the direction you're in now? Well, for me, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed the most among many things during my corporate career was the opportunity to work with uh, leaders at all levels of the organization, uh, help them be as effective as possible, uh, help the organizations that they were leading be as effective as possible, and that really became a love of mine. And when I launched my coaching and consulting business, I wanted to have the opportunity to invest even more of my time specifically in those things. I also learned a lot, of course, uh, during the, the corporate life around organizational politics and barriers to uh, effective things that you'd like to see go on in organizations and the hoops that people had to jump through, uh, perhaps more so than they should have had to, uh, to get good ideas implemented. And so one of my commitments when I launched my own business was to try to focus on helping organizations and leaders be a little bit more uh, nimble and entrepreneurial and agile in their thinking and in their execution. And I've been very lucky that I've had an opportunity to play in all of those arenas over the course of the last eight years. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like you have quite a bit of, of context and um, uh, places where you can really share with, with the people that you're working with. I, I know you spend a lot of time focusing on others and, and coaching others. So what do you do to kind of challenge yourself as a leader? I mean, it's, you know, it's easy to maybe be helping other people out, but you know, what kind of is driving you internally to, to, to be better every day? Well, like so many people who are probably listening in, I'm somebody who loves to learn new things and challenge myself by doing. You know, so a couple of examples of that as it relates just to starting your own business. After you're a long-time big company person like I was, as particularly as an HR person, I had no idea, frankly, whether I would like or be any good at business development uh, and client relationships. I had no idea whether I would like or be any good at the entrepreneurial aspects of starting up your own business from scratch with 
not much of an infrastructure or any resources in place, and also the, the whole challenge of putting together a business strategy and deciding what you're going to focus on. So those were all things for me that, uh, frankly, I've, I've actually been learning about and trying to get better at and more comfortable with uh, over the course of the last eight years. I'm not really sure if I'm great at any of these things yet. I think what I've learned over the time that I've been doing it is that uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. That's important to me. I've been very lucky to have uh, enough success in business to actually build uh, a business over an eight-year period of time when I know a lot of other folks have struggled you know, with trying to do similar sorts of things, so I don't take that for granted. But the thing that I've probably enjoyed the most is testing myself and learning these new aspects of business development and entrepreneurship and working uh, through a uh, very limited set of resources and colleagues compared to a much larger corporate infrastructure that I had surrounding me when I was inside of companies as an HR person and learning how to do all of those things and recognizing whether you're any good at those things, that's been really uh, rewarding for me. Right, right. Well, I know you've written uh, several books. Um, and I'm sure some of the, those lessons and wisdoms sort of coming comes through in those. Uh, maybe you could pick your favorite and kind of give us a little rundown about the book and, and, and why you wrote it and what, what people might uh, take away if they want to pick it up. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And congratulations on your book. I think anybody who's Thank you. written one knows that it's a fair amount of work. One of, the, one of these days I might actually write a book about writing a book because it's been kind of an interesting experience. Probably my favorite one of the few that I've been involved in is a book called uh, Three, which is an acronym actually for the Human Resources Emerging Executive. The basic premise of the book is there's three areas of focus that I think HR leaders need to uh, pay increasing attention to if they want to be viewed as ready for and relevant to the rapidly changing nature of work. Uh, first thing is understanding themselves better as a leader, what they want to be known for as a leader, uh, how they want to distinguish themselves as a leader, because so much time uh, HR leaders themselves spend is helping other non-HR leaders be more effective. It's extremely difficult to do that credibly if you don't understand yourself well as a leader first, foundationally. The second element of the book is about half a dozen or so capabilities that, from my experience of working with, coaching, developing a variety of HR leaders over the course of my career, tend to be more distinguishing factors that separate out some of the very best HR people that I've been around compared to uh, others uh, who are solid performers, certainly, and, and active contributors, but not necessarily distinguishing themselves as the other stronger, more capable HR people uh, would be. And then the third aspect of the book is a look out into the future. I've, I've had the good fortune of spending quite a bit of time over the last six or seven years working with colleagues on uh, looking at the future of work and HR and the implications for leadership more broadly. And there are some aspects of the book that focus on some of the 
themes and trends that uh, HR people can expect to find themselves having to deal with over the course of the next 10 years or so, and uh, some implications about what they need to be better at and more capable in in order to be ready for and relevant that, uh, to that world that we're trying to um, swim into successfully. That's what the book is about. And I think I, I've enjoyed uh, writing it uh, perhaps the most of all the projects that I've been involved in because it's enabled me to work with HR leaders at a variety of different levels, not only on content related to the book, but coaching and leadership development programs that are a spin-off of some of the things in the book. So it's given me a fairly broad reach in being able to work with and learn from uh, a wide variety of HR leaders, and that's been tremendously uh, rewarding and a lot of fun. So you, know, you kind of took us through some of the things that an HR person might need to be thinking about or doing and some of their own maybe challenges or opportunities. Uh, if we kind of maybe take a step back from the person and maybe look at HR in general and sort of the more top, the, maybe the topics or the, the, the non-personal things that maybe HR uh, might should be looking at or maybe what leadership should be asking HR to really be focusing on, you know, are there areas that you think need to be reshaped or reimagined in, in that kind of general world of HR? Yeah, I think there's a couple that I would point to. At least it's been product of my experience of doing some of this work that I was just mentioning on the future of work in HR, one of which has to do with the fact that almost every challenge that organizations are facing these days and will be facing increasingly in the future are big, hairy, complex, multi-dimensional, cross-functional in nature. And the solutions, because of all of those conditions also need to be multidisciplinary, cross-functional in nature. And a lot of HR people that I've been around, while they're certainly terrific, they tend to focus most of their effort, their attention, their energy, and even their expertise on the HR function exclusively, are not comfortable playing in a sandbox with collaborators and peers from other disciplines and functions and are going to need to become much more effective at orchestrating solutions that come from a variety of different disciplines and ways of thinking about solving problems than uh, a lot of HR people that I've been around have historically been comfortable with. Uh, I would also add to that equation that many of the disciplines themselves might fall outside of the traditional comfort zones uh, that HR people are used to operating in. So, for example, uh, you know, I think data science and analytics, workforce analytics, people analytics, uh, whatever terminology you want to use to describe it, and the science behind that is becoming a, a sub-discipline within HR, but also within lots of other functions and companies where decisions themselves are no longer being made by the power of persuasion and relationships alone. They're being made with uh, hard data that help people prioritize limited resources and time so that they know how to bias their attention. Uh, this is not something that a lot of HR people that I've grown up with are comfortable with and are going to need to become more expert in and more comfortable with in order to be effective. So I'll stop there for a minute and see if that 
response to your question or if you want me to add anything else to that. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely does. I mean, there's a lot there to, we could probably spend a day on, right, kind of diving into. But I think from a, from a general sense, it uh, gives people a pretty good framework of, of, of some of the areas that you're kind of thinking about. You know, the, it might even take us to my next question was, which was kind of around operating models or things that maybe you've mapped out or created uh, that you might share that kind of makes sense for HR and just trying to be more effective. Are, are there some things like that that you've done in the past? Yes, and, and I think maybe falls into three buckets that I'll share to the degree this is helpful to the listeners uh, when you think about these operating models, because so many companies are working on HR transformation in one form or another, trying to reorganize and redistribute limited HR resources. There's three things that I've seen a lot of that uh, seem to be most effective these days. Uh, one is uh, the adage that less is more, right? So a lot of HR organizations are being pressured to reduce operating costs, reduce the number of people associated with the function. Uh, there's stress and, and issues sometimes with trying to do more with less. But in this particular case, what I'm seeing companies focus on is how to get down to the core functions and areas of differentiation that matter the most to distinguish your company from your competitors. The answer varies quite a bit from company to company and industry to industry, but going through the process of determining what are the differentiating people capabilities in your organization that matter the most and organizing around those rather than being a one-stop shop, full-service provider of any and all HR capabilities is a trend that you're seeing. More and more companies are also, uh, as part of that process, reaching outside of the boundaries of their own traditional organizations to partner with freelancers and contractors and consultants and other service providers who are able to come in, provide a limited service for a specific period of time, and move out again of the organization rather than being embedded inside the company. So less is more. The second thing, which is related to the first, is simplicity or simplification. So trying to reduce the complexity of processes and steps and how many hoops and approvals people have to jump through in order to get something done in the organization. Why is that increasingly important? Because one of the biggest complaints that you hear about HR, to the extent that there are complaints, is that it's too slow, it's too bureaucratic, it's not agile enough to get things done at the same pace and speed and direction that the rest of the organization is often trying to head. So trying to simplify the steps and the processes and the work that you have to plow through in order to get things done through HR turns out to be increasingly important. And then the final area, which is, to my mind, extremely uh, central to HR transformation but often gets overlooked is that most HR transformation efforts tend to focus on functional disciplines. How are we going to be organized in terms of compensation, benefits, learning and development, talent, succession, employee relations, 
labor relations, if we happen to be unionized, what are we going to be delivering through central core services, what are we going to be delivering through HR business partners, what are we going to be delivering through shared service centers, those sorts of things. Those are all relevant questions, of course, to be answered, but I think they only really represent about 50% of what needs to be addressed. The other 50% is how do we build organizational capabilities that are actually at the intersection of all of these different functions, capabilities such as how do you make the organization more agile, what do we do about transforming the culture of the organization to be more performance or customer driven, what about leadership capability and talent development and transformational change and, and the like, the list goes on and on. These are all capabilities that need to exist in the organization that aren't necessarily owned by or managed by a specific HR sub-function, and therefore they get ignored or sometimes the ball gets dropped in the handoff between these different functions. That's the other half of HR transformation that tends to be under-addressed in my experience. Well, you certainly are addressing a lot of key issues and things that uh... You know, a lot of people are thinking about and we've talked about it on the show uh, with some other guests as well. Um, so it sounds like you kind of have your pulse on, on, on some really good stuff in that area. Um, one of the things just kind of outside of the, the realm specifically of, of HR or coaching and consulting um, is we'd like to find out from our guests this year, just maybe what are some of the kind of cool things that you are using? Maybe it's a gadget, maybe it's an app, maybe it's uh, a new process or thing that you've picked up from somewhere that's maybe kind of helps you have a better 2018. Uh, is there something that comes to mind that you might share with us? Yeah, actually, this has been a, a fun learning experience for me, and I, I'm not exactly the most tech-savvy person on the planet. So I tend not to think about it as an app or a gadget as much as an enabling tool, which is actually starting to do some work with virtual platforms that um, allow you to convert some of the face-to-face, uh, -face, in person leadership development experiences that I've been running for the last uh, seven or eight years into a virtual version that allows you to reach more and more participants geographically dispersed, but in more digestible chunks, uh, smaller amounts of time, not unlike uh, the, this podcast technology that you're using, Chris, to reach your listeners. Uh, what I'm experiencing, of course, is somebody who spends a lot of time in rooms of people uh, helping to facilitate and lead conversations that it's getting harder and harder for people to travel, to leave the office, to be gone uh, for two or three days, to invest in a leadership development experience, yet they still need the learning. They still want the peer-to-peer -peer interaction they still want to challenge themselves, but uh, are finding, of course, it's a little bit easier, in some cases more affordable, to do it more virtually. And so uh, in my case, I've been doing a lot of research on the uh, Adobe platform that allows you to bring people together virtually. And even though we've all had the experience of webinars and other types of tools that allow people to communicate virtually, uh, what I'm finding as I go through this process is that it's amazing what you can do to replicate uh, in-person, face-to-face interaction, but do it through a technology platform that enables many more people to participate uh, in a much more geographically dispersed way. So that's been kind of fun, actually, for me. 
Yeah, sounds pretty amazing. I'd love to to learn more about your lessons and things you're, you're learning from Matt, because we do a lot in that area. Um, but you're right, that, that kind of idea of getting people together, um, sometimes if they have to travel is really hard. We've been, in our own sort of trainings and things, we've been finding much more success with the local thing that they can come to for a few hours or a half day, as opposed to getting on a plane and going to a conference for three or four days. So that uh, makes a lot of sense to, to look at the virtual model as well. Um, you know, how about a book? Is there a book that you're recommending to, to people right now or maybe you're reading right now that you're really enjoying that our listeners might want to check out? Yeah, one of the ones that I'm working my way through, uh, many people I'm sure are familiar with Dave Ulrich. He's been around in the HR profession for uh, as, long as, uh, as long as I have and longer. But I always like reading Dave's stuff because he's got you know, new ideas uh, applied and built off of things that he's been talking about for many years. I've been reading Victory Through Organization, which uh, I believe is his newest book, and you know, really kind of focusing on the premise that the way organizations win is through this broader idea of organizational capability rather than exclusively through focusing on individual talent. Both are important, but his emphasis on building a broad set of capabilities at the organization level as the, the next uh, frontier, if you will, for organizational success is something that I'm getting a lot out of. Yeah, it sounds like a great one to, to check out. Um, and I'm sure our uh, our listeners would like to, to pick it up or check it out. So, um, you know, of course, the uh, one of the important questions uh, will certainly be, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more about the Exec Excel group or working with you? Uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, easiest way to find me is either through uh, email. That would be iziskin, uh, that's I-Z-I-S-K-I-N, at exexgroup.com, uh, or uh, just find me on LinkedIn, uh, where I'm quite active, and uh, look forward to connecting with anybody who might have questions or an interest in talking further. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you being a part of the show today, giving us a lot to think about, and certainly sharing your ideas and thoughts uh, hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update on all the cool stuff you're doing. Uh, but thank you for being on the show. Yes, thanks for having me, Chris. Really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to connecting soon. All right, fantastic. We'll be right back after this uh, quick commercial break. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. I want to thank everyone for being a part of the show today. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, we'll, we'll bring in, um, well, let's see. Who are we going to bring in next week? I think we're going to have on uh, Jeanette uh, Maester, American Managing Director of WCN, and then also uh, Chrissy 
Eblin, COO of Golden Spoon, which is one of my favorite places to eat stuff I'm not supposed to eat. So um, as my guest, but uh, look forward to a great show. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.